How's it going? And welcome back to On The Wire, a proud member of the Pitcher List Podcast Network. Follow the pod on the Twitter at OnTheWirePod. And if you're listening on a platform that allows ratings and reviews, please take a second to let us know what you think. I am Adam Howe, and as always, I am joined by the 2020 TGFBI champion, Kevin Hastings. Kevin, there were a ton of really fun bids last week. How, how did your bids go? They went as expected. There were, as we talked about, there there were players that went for a lot of money, and I had bids on them and did not expect to get them and didn't. But I did get some of the guys we talked about for a little bit less, and there's this is gonna be fun as we go through this some of the guys we talked about last week are still readily available especially in 12 team leagues and they may be more in demand this week there's something about them there's a reason people weren't after them last week as well there's stigma to some of these guys i'm excited to jump right back in yeah i found some of the drops to be pretty interesting as well and i know we'll uh, we'll get into a couple of those later on but this week we are extremely lucky to have with us another guest uh, tim mcleod nine-year veteran of Tau Wars Mixed Draft and four-year competitor in Labor Mixed Draft as well. Tim, of course, can be found on Twitter at RunTMCP361 and can be heard regularly alongside Rich Wilson on the Fantasy Baseball Live podcast put out by Prospect361. Make sure you take listen to him there when you're done listening to this episode. Tim, thank you so much for taking the time to uh, join us to talk some fat. My pleasure, gents. And your timing is absolutely perfect because Saturday night is waiver wire night for me. So I'm <laughs> feverishly working on trying to assemble 15 to 20 names that the masses might enjoy. So again, totally my pleasure uh, being on tonight and looking forward to talking some waiver wire in baseball. Nice, nice, nice prep work then. That that works yeah, out nicely. It's prep work, yes. <laughs> All right. Hopefully, we go over some great information for everybody listening and for Tim to maybe utilize in his uh, weekly article and uh, podcast as well. So we're gonna get right into. It. We have a ton, or at least a much more news and notes than we have in the last couple of weeks. Uh, so we're gonna go through this kind of lightning round style. First and foremost, of course, Fernando Tatis injures his shoulder. You know, still weighing surgery. Uh, I hear rumors that that the surgery might not happen. As of right now, Hung Seung Kim is a starting at shortstop, and I heard he hit his first home run today. And he's still available in a lot of twelve teamers. So, you know, Tim, you, you, this makes him fully rosterable in 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 that format. Twelve teamers, one fab runs this weekend, right? Yeah, I would think so. Shortstop is fairly deep. So there, I've gone through a, a couple of my leagues, 12-team leagues, and there are still options out there. But I think with the home run tonight, that's probably going to generate enough interest in Kim that he'll generate some, some low bids. But I think his uh, roster status will be a lot higher next week than it is this week. A home run will do that for you. <laughs> Yeah, 31% rostered uh, across Yahoo leagues. Of course, most of those are daily leagues. He's pretty much rostered across most 15 teamers, including TGFBI, where he's available in one league in TGFBI. So if you're in that one league, uh, you might want to look at getting him. But moving on, Cody Bellinger is going on the I or went on the IL. I'm curious, Kevin, who do you think is going to benefit, especially with Mookie Betts also missing his third day today in LA? I think so far, and it will continue to be, especially if either one of these guys or both continue to miss time as Zach McKinstry. We had Adam Lawler on a couple of months ago, and he told us then that this is a guy we needed to keep an eye on. His feeling was the Dodgers really liked him. He even thought they might like him more than they liked Gavin Lux. That 
doesn't seem to be the case as Lux is getting his everyday playing time at second base. But they're hitting right next to each other in the lineup tonight. Lux 7th, McKinstry 8th. McKinstry started the season, I believe, 6 for 11 and then went over 11. So his 6 for 22 looks really good. But he has cooled off a bit. It will be interesting to see how he adjusts. We're talking 11 plate appearances. But he's definitely somebody that I I have rostered, thanks to uh, Adam a couple of months ago, and will look to add in a couple of leagues this weekend. Yeah, he's played in a bunch of games. He's already started in the outfield, I believe, six times. So he is UT only in NFBC leagues at the moment. Should gain that outfield eligibility relatively quickly as long as he stays in the field. Played a couple of games at second as well. So, you know, that going from UT only to dual eligibility and playing as much as he has been will be quite tempting, I think, on this week's wire. Did you, do you think that I, I think he's looking at a situation where he's going to slide into the role of Tiki Hernandez who escaped to Boston on that contract. And yeah, the Dodgers just have some amazing depth, don't they? Oh, absolutely. It's a glutton of riches, if you will. But it's, yeah, Hernandez went to Boston. I think one of the main reasons was because he finally found a place that was willing to play him every day. And as talented as he's shown, he can be in LA. He just never had that opportunity. Of course, they have a couple of guys already that can play all around the diamond and can get slotted in. Chris Taylor, obviously multi-eligible as well. Max Muncy has played around the diamond as well. And so I find it hard to believe that McKinstry is going to get, if everybody's healthy, it's going to be hard to get him back in. But the fact that he has that flexibility might might keep him in the lineup four times out of seven in a week, even when everybody's healthy. So I, as an injury replacement in 15 right. team leagues, yeah, he might fit the bill. And again, we've everybody's talked about the Dodgers resting their pitchers and not overextending them early on. They could take that same approach with their hitting as well and do very well by it. It's not <laughs> like they're going to suffer. <laughs> No. Yeah, hundred percent, and it goes back to the Tatis injury as well. Every, I, I would expect that the Dodgers are more of a favorite now to win the division. They already were big favorites, but there was that inkling that San Diego might be able to compete. But without Tatis for a while, the Dodgers are going to be resting players throughout the season, a la like NBA teams do. So McKinstry could get as many plate appearances and games played as the regulars. Yeah, 350. I I could see 350 at-bats. Yeah, that's an asset. Sticking in the NL West uh, in Arizona, Ketel Marte hits the IL as well. But Cole Calhoun comes back, as uh, I believe today. Tim, is there anything actionable in the uh, outfield down in Arizona based on these two moves? No. Arizona, you look at the outfield. LoCastra's got center field. Okay, that's pretty well a given. He got Cole Calhoun in right and David Peralta in left. No, I don't see... The the, the main beneficiary here could be Asdrubal Cabrera, who might be playing full-time at third third base. In Arizona as well, Caleb Smith has been moved to the bullpen. Taylor Widener has started the home opener on Friday, and it is uh, strongly rumored that Zach Allen will return to the rotation as early as Tuesday after a successful time in his during his rehab starts. Kevin, is there anything on the pitching side in Arizona that you're looking at besides the fact that Madison Bumgarner just doesn't look very good? No, and that's (laughs) disappointing to us as we've talked about him quite a bit as a 
possible bounce back candidate. I am keeping an eye on Widener. He's been a, a prospect. For those that play Dynasty Leagues, we've had our eye on him for a couple of years now and finally getting an opportunity. But for the most part, the most exciting thing that you just brought up is that we may see Zach Allen next week. Yeah, that'd be a sneaky. Yeah, anybody who's been holding on to him, everybody who's been holding on to them on their IL <laughs> yeah. spots in leagues that have them, or stashing them, wasting away on a bench spot in like NFBC where you don't have an IL spot. George Springer in uh, Dunedin, if you will, has a new injury, and Teoscar Hernandez would put on the COVID nineteen IL, you know, due to being exposed to someone else who tested positive. It says that he was not the one that tested positive. Tim, have you seen anything in, with the Blue Jays that? It's going to indicate somebody is going to get a couple extra uh, play, uh, days of playing time, maybe early next week with the, both those guys still out. Yeah, obviously they got they've got to fill that hole, but I haven't heard anything that leads me to believe that Hernandez is going to be out for an extended period of time. So I'm playing that one fairly cautiously. George Springer, he went from what was it an oblique to a quad. That's not good. We might be looking towards the end of April before we see Springer back. And that's a huge hit because in the leadoff spot in Toronto with that offense behind them, both the Jays are hurting and a lot of fantasy owners. Yeah, you have those who roster Cole Calhoun holding on to him. And you expected him to be out a lot longer than he was, I think, especially with the yeah. surgery at the beginning of spring training. You just figured he'd need a little bit more time to come back. And lo and behold, here he is. Where George Springer, you thought, I know it's oblique and everybody gets scared of an oblique. I get just as scared of an oblique as anybody else. But all the everything was pointing in the right direction, at least all the reports that I've been seeing. And to see this added injury kind of tacking everything on, it, it hurts. It hurts. I've got Springer in a couple places for sure. And it's not it's not helping. No, definitely <laughs> not. It won't. <laughs> not until we get them back on the field. All right. So Kevin, Rugna Ordor just passed through COVID intake procedures for the Yankees. Another left-handed bat in the Yankees lineup to go with Jay Bruce. Are you looking at this as having any kind of impact on Fab this weekend and or for anybody, including yourself? Yeah, I'm probably the wrong one to ask about this because I'm one of the few that has not given up on Odor yet. And I not sure why. 30 home runs, double digit stolen bases, not all at the same time. And, and prior to the shortened 2020, he'd hit in 250. He had hit 250 or above more times than he'd hit that 206, 207 range. And But it was always back and forth. We never knew which guy we're going to get. I, I think he's still only 26, maybe 27 now. And I still like Odor. And I think the biggest impact this may have may be on Jay Bruce, who we liked last week for inexpensive fill-in at a corner. And because I can see the Yankees tweaking Odor a little bit and DJ LeMahieu moving to first base. And maybe I'm just overly optimistic and not giving up on my guy, but I am interested. And if I have a spot, because I don't think we can play him right away, obviously, without seeing what type of playing time he gets or how much playing time he gets, but I am interested and would like to 
get him now while he's a couple dollars before he comes. He, he's a streaky hitter. It, it, if he happens to get three or four games in a week and goes on one of his streaks, he's going to be a lot more expensive than we can get him for this week. If I have a spot, I, I might be taking a chance. Yeah, I was one of those who took advantage of the low bids on Jay Bruce, at least in uh, TGFBI, I believe. I think I got him for like nine bucks. But he'll be one, because of this move, I was thinking the exact same thing. He'll be one of the guys I'm considering cutting, especially if the role that Bruce is playing for me is filled again. So I can't remember if he was filling in for an injury or what have you. But if I don't need Bruce anymore, he'll be the one that I cut because of this. I, he'll be, and, Or he'll just end up on my bench next week for this fear of this uh, of losing playing time to Ordor as well. You're getting a new player. I don't know if you've seen the pictures, but of course the, the New York Yankees have their policy as far as facial hair is concerned. <laughs> and I saw a recent shot uh, since he's become a member of the Yankees. Odor looks like he's 11 years old. Exactly. He really does. He probably well, lost 20 new, pounds. You're this, yeah, you're getting a new player when you when you well, invest in. Rub Jose Bautista. This little kid. Yeah, I was I was gonna say yeah, sucker punching. It was yeah, a sucker yeah. punch. Yeah. <laughs> now he's in the best shape no, of his life. Yeah. <laughs> so definitely, he's he's a new guy. That's yeah. for sure. <laughs> Sticking with the Yankees, moved down here on the list. Domingo Herman was sent to the Yankees alternate site in addition to Christian Javier of the Astros also options um, as well. Jake Odorizzi is expected to take Javier's spot in the Astros rotation in you know a few days. I think they have a couple off days so they'll probably rush run with four a four-man rotation until they need Odorizzi to come up. But Tim do you see anything actionable with Herman being sent down to, uh, by the Yankees? Yeah I, I, nothing has been officially announced at this point in time but The Yankees are going to need another starter. And the first person, obviously, that comes to mind is David Garcia. I think if no announcements are made, he's the type of player that I would speculate on. Okay, and put a small bid in in pretty well all my leagues. They're going to need another starter. And my gut feeling is Garcia gets uh, first shot. Yeah, especially with Clark Smith um, still on the mend. And uh, David Garcia also getting, I I forgot their award, but basically they're all-star of spring training award by the Yankees as well. So he, I always thought that that was funny. He's like, hey, you were the best player in spring training. You're going to get demoted. You're not making the opening day roster though. Yeah, the prize and the punishment, they don't go hand in <laughs> hand. Not a good fit, no. No, well, maybe we'll see him soon. Uh, I like that speculation. I'm you know, big fan myself of Lewis. We'll get to a guy later on in the podcast that I'll, I'll be speculating on as well in a couple of weeks to the same degree. That you're talking about with Debbie. Colton Wong with the Brewers uh, was sent on the IL. Craig Council that says he hopes that it won't be for more than the minimum of 10 day stay. But Kevin, who do you see benefiting there, especially with Orlando Arcia being sent away to the Braves as well? Yeah, this hurts me a lot. Anybody that's listened to this podcast in the past knows that I have uh, Colton Wong, Colton Wong, excuse me, rostered on almost all of my teams. This, this hurts quite a bit. I think uh, one guy we were going to bring up later in the podcast, but I'll just bring him up now because I think it solidifies his playing time is Travis Shaw hitting in the middle of the lineup. He was definitely on the large side of a platoon at the minimum. Now he may be playing every day as, as their infielders uh, need to man the middle now. And like you said, RC is gone. And Shaw's off to a great start, so he 
that we can get into it a little more later, but he's available e- even in 15 teamers. Yeah, that's uh, that's an interesting call. Just a, a heads up, the Brewers did sign D. Strange Gordon on Thursday. So again, I'm sure there's going to be some time at the alternate site, but it does give the Brewers another option should Colton Wong be out for an extended period of time. So that one's intriguing. Again, we'll have to wait and see how things shake down, but they did make a a move to solidify their bench a little bit. So only time will tell if he can find a way to work his way into that lineup. Yeah, of course, just Odor in New York. D-Strange is going to need a couple of days uh, to go through the COVID-19 protocols before he joins the Brewers. In Detroit, Julio Tehran was sent to the IL. Michael Fulmer is expected to take his rotation spot for now. Tim, do you have any interest in Fulmer? I had a ton of interest in Fulmer about four years ago in almost all my dynasty leagues, but he's really had a tough time coming back from his uh, shoulder problems and he's looked good this year i i want to see how he how he holds up in a starting in a starting role before i i decide to make a move i'll be tracking him but again i it's been a long time since he's been healthy and had the velocity that he showed in those in those first couple of years so that's a pass for me for now yeah, twice a week I participate. I'm on the reliever team for Pitcher List, and I look through all the, all the all the bullpens on Fridays and Saturdays games. Or sorry, Thursdays and Fridays games. And one of the things we look for is guys that maybe aren't openers, but guys that we don't expect are going to go the full five innings, but maybe aren't going to be terrible. Fulmer kind of fits that bill, especially in the beginning. So those, for me personally, looking at Fulmer in like daily leagues or leagues that maybe don't have Fab, and you can take a look at their the bullpen and who you think is going to come in after Fulmer if he doesn't go the full five to get the decision is something to keep an eye on, I think, in Detroit. Chris Archer left Saturday's game early with right forearm tightness, which you never want to hear. Sorry, actually, he was placed on the 10-day IL. Brent Honeywell has already been announced the coming up and opening tomorrow. That's Sunday's game when you're listening. That's today's game when you're listening to this. Kevin, is there anything, any interest in Honeywell? Do you think that he's going to just continue to be an opener? Or do you think they're going to stretch him out and have him join the rotation? Well, I think that's what they hope, but they we've been hoping for that for years. So I'm kind of... I, 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 I don't have any interest, and I could be wrong. We know what a promising prospect he was, but he has constantly been derailed by injury, and especially with the Rays. And I think the whole Rays thing does get overblown, as we've talked in other scenarios, especially with like closers and such. But I, I just don't see him getting stretched out to the point where he it has value as a starter. Now, if he was the follower, then, then we're talking a different story. Then we're talking come in for three or four innings and Vulture a win. But if, if he's opening, I don't have any interest. Yeah, Brent Honeywell, of course, there's a couple pitchers out there that have had really bad luck with injuries. Honeywell is one of the, that bunch, one of the best typos I think I ever saw was in Tampa Bay Times back in December. I just found, I was talking about Honeywell, I made sure I pull it up and it goes, Brent Honeywell underwent surgery on his right elbow on Wednesday 
but is expected to be ready for the start of the 2021 surgery. And so it's <laughs> just expecting <Diamond>. another, <laughs> another surgery yeah. through typos. I saw, him, I saw him in the Arizona Fall League a few years back before all of the injuries. And that screwball was amazing. Uh, he was looking really good. And then it's just been injury after injury. The Rays aren't going to rush this kid. He's, he's had all sorts of problems the past several years, and they're going to take their time. He might. Obviously, I think the goal is they want him to be a full-time starter, but they're not going to be they're not going to be pushing for that to happen anytime soon. It's a situation that I'm tracking in some of my deeper leagues. I might commit a bench spot just because I think starting pitching is going to be hard to find after the All-Star break. But I'm certainly not going to be utilizing him in an active role for until we get a definition of how he holds up. Well, if for no other reason, I, I hope Honeywell does well just so Yancey yes. Eaton get to win. <laughs> Yancey, we're rooting for you. All right. Chris Owings went on the 10-day IL today. And it is reported that Brendan Rodgers is with the team in San Francisco and is close to returning to the Rockies roster. Tim, do you, who, do you, you know, who do you think this might impact the most with the Rockies lineup? Or is the, the whole adage, the Rockies are always going to Rocky, just you know, fresh in your mind? Well, yeah, I think it's fairly safe to say that it's the first time Garrett Hampson goes 0 for 4. They bench him. Isn't that how it works? <laughs> yeah, he's been leading off the last couple of days. Yeah, no, I, I think there's a situation... At third base for him. I don't think Josh Fuentes is the answer. So I think once he's ready to go, he slides into third. Yeah, you know, Ryan McMahon hit his fifth home run of the season today. Hampson and McMahon are, they're basically carrying that team right now off to a great start. So the only opportunity I see for Rodgers right now is at the third base. All right. And then uh, just a note, Dillison Lament may return to the Padres rotation as early as next week. So keep an eye out for that. But in in St. Louis, Tyler O'Neill was removed on Saturday's game due to right groin tightness. Uh, if he misses any extra time, Kevin, who who do you think benefits for the Cardinals? I looked at this for quite a while, and I just don't see much that I'm interested in. Dylan Carlson is off to such a great start, and Tyler O'Neill was... we. St. Louis is one of those crazy teams. We don't know what they're going to do. Whatever they do, I want to keep an eye on it and maybe make a speculative move. They seem to bring these guys out of nowhere, and we get all excited about them and think they're going to be superstars going forward, and they're great for that one year that they bring them up. So I want to keep an eye on that for sure. But as far as trying to speculate on who that is going to be with St. Louis, I have not had any luck on that in the past for sure okay i'm just looking at the box score today and austin dean hit his first home run of the season went two for three with two runs scored and it was a three-run shot so if i had a couple pennies to spend tomorrow in deeper leagues i'd give austin dean a look uh, guys he was the one that i believe replaced o'neill when he was pulled so uh, he Correct, took it yes. he took full advantage of, of that opportunity for sure yeah, I just didn't want to bring up that name. I don't know why. I, I'm so scared when it comes to St. Louis. Yeah, I, I don't blame you one bit, but they're going to have to do something. So I think Dean, especially after today, is probably going to get first shot. Deeper leagues, hey, if he's got full-time at-bats for a while, eh, everything counts. Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, that's going to do it for the news and notes. I'm sure we missed some stuff, but that's I think that's going to 
wrap it up for that, that area. What I want to move on to, Tim, while we got you, I want to really pick your brain about fab strategy. And you've been playing this game for a long time. You play in a lot of different types of leagues. Like I mentioned at the top of the show, you've been in tout for nine years, labor last four. I know that you played some NFBC as well. You're in TGFBI, just like me and Kevin. So what I'd love to know your overall strategy, but really what I would like to, I'd like to know, especially for those listening, like what differences have you found um, in your fab strategy based on the type of league that you're playing in, whether it be tout labor versus a typical NFBC league or a CBS league or Yahoo or any other format? I think one of the keys is you have to know, you have to know and understand the rules that you're working around and in totes you're working on a thousand budget with zero dollar bids okay in labor you're working with a hundred dollar budget with a minimum of one dollar bids you can freewheel a lot more in tote than you can in labor you're restricted when you're down to your last three dollars and it's the first week of july in labor it's not a good feeling it really isn't so again the fab management comes into play personally i'm very aggressive i like to spend early and often hoping to find somebody that I'm going to have and be able to utilize for as much of the season as possible. Closers, on the other hand, and bullpens, that's a whole different kettle of, that's a whole different kettle of fish. But when it comes to bullpens, I tend to be a little bit aggressive, go cheap, try and get a setup guy, bet on somebody losing his job, and have a setup guy slide into the role, as compared to paying premium dollars for a guy that appears to have the job. Because we've seen... So many times that appears to have the job versus two weeks later not having the job. Yeah, and 20% of your fab's gone. Yeah, I, I don't have any problems with investing in Yimi Garcia two weeks ago for a buck. I have some concerns about spending 20% of my budget on him this week. Yeah, yeah we've I seen... was sad to see him get that save oh, today. That shattered a lot of dreams, didn't it? Yeah, it sure did. <laughs> Uh, no cheap Yimi for anybody this, uh, this weekend. Uh-uh, that's not happening. <laughs> We've seen that time and time again, at least this, this as early as this year, with the relievers that we were seeing in multiple types of leagues going off the board between Tanner Scott in week one and then his teammate Valdez going in week two, both going for multiple hundreds of dollars in a lot of different leagues. I, I feel you on the bullpen for sure. And I've heard that from a couple of people that it's worth spending the extra money on a guy you think is going to be in your lineup all year round and because you're going to get the most for him. You're going to get the most out of him. So I, I get that as well. My other question. Yeah, the one guy that I'm incredibly bullish on th- this week, and it's not because I think he's taking over the job, but I, I think it's because he's going to garner what I anticipated say Diego Castillo to do in Tampa Bay before the season started eight to 10 saves in a split situation. But I like the situation in LA for Corey Nabel. He's not the closer, but he's going to, he's going to pitch one on the third day and they're simply not going to work over, overwork the veteran. And you're looking at a guy who's got the potential to post good peripherals, but at the same point in time, get you eight to 10 saves. Okay. That, interests me more this week than Yimi Garcia because I think you've got that you might not have the total that Garcia could produce but you've got a safe base that I think is going to be there come year end at a better price 
So again, it, it just depends on how you approach it. But I really like that situation in LA. I think the Brewers missed, uh, they should have resigned him rather than rather than the move to LA. I, I think that's going to prove to be a mistake for them. Uh, I, I definitely see that with two saves already on the year. And Dave Roberts has already, he came out after the game specifically saying that they're not going to, he doesn't want to use Jansen three times in four days. I mean, so the Dodgers are going to win a lot yeah, of games. Not even three times in a row, three right. times in four, four days. days. That's even better. Yep. Well, yeah. So it just increases your odds of a safe, mm-hmm. what I consider to be uh, a safe setup guy that's going to get, and I'll take and put eight to 10 saves in the bank. Okay. And be very happy with those numbers. If he's my third closer, that, that works perfectly. And I, that means I can spend my, all of my fab on Mercedes, right? Yeah. Or something like that. Get <laughs> that brand new Mercedes. I'm not driving a Geo anymore. And there so. you go. Tim, you've been, in, you've been in tout for nine years. And we were talking before the show. The core of that league has really stayed the same during your entire time you've been there. And so how much how much have you noticed trends from certain players in the league? And, and how many notes do you make mentally about how the other, how your competitors spend their fab throughout the year? And have you noticed that it's the same every year? Is it something you can use your advantage? Not, not really. I think it, it a lot depends on the specific needs of specific teams at specific times. And Hey, if you take a look at you know, some of the guys that I've played with, uh, some of the group I've played with for a long period of time, yeah, yeah, you have an idea who they like and who they don't like. We all, all of our stuff's available out there. None of us are real <laughs> shy in who we like and who we don't. But when, when it comes to a lot of it, depends on specific needs relating to teams. And yeah, hey, obviously everybody wants some saves. Everybody's looking for saves. It's just how much is somebody willing to spend and. I try and stay wherever possible out of those battles. In labor this week, I might not have any choice because my dream of Brian Garcia getting a, a job share in Detroit is disappearing rather quickly. <laughs> <laughs> the dream is turning into a nightmare. <laughs> yeah, that's unfortunate. <laughs> yeah, I think we talk about it a lot. It's just knowing your league and knowing where everybody's spending their money. I, I find that really important, to, especially in a league where especially people's home leagues where they're playing with the same people year in and year out. And I, I feel like you do get a sense and it may change over time, but you do get a sense of tendencies where if a, a certain guy likes a guy in your league is going to draft X amount of people or certain people in the draft. And in, in theory as well, they're also going to spend their fab in a similar manner each year if they draft in the same way. So those needs might be the same. Obviously injuries play a big role in the, in the, puts a wrench into everybody's plans but i found it i tend uh, to be, i tend to be very aggressive adam and as a result i've got the reputation of being the guy that's chasing the spec picks okay <laughs> and everybody knows it and everybody jokes about it uh, it's a running joke between uh, me and rudy gamble as far as younger players if it's not on my roster yeah, you know, he, he's checking to see if everything's all right with me sort of thing. <laughs> you do develop that rapport and that relationship with your fellow players. But again, when it comes to Fab, it's all about identifying needs and wants and moving forward on that basis. The only thing is, again, looking at, say, tout versus labor. Labor, you have to be a little, because there are restrictions on your Fab, you do have to be a little bit careful. 
Okay, tote isn't quite quite as tight in that manner. You can be a little bit more flexible. So you just go with the rules and play and do what you got to do. Yeah, and one of those rules is uh, I believe you can't, you have to play anybody you pick up in that same week. Is that correct? That is correct in both tote and labor. Uh, the big difference is in tote, you can spec uh, on absolutely anybody on a waiver wire bid, okay? They can be an A-ball if you want. In labor, once the season starts, you're limited to players that have one at bat or a third inning pitched. You can't speculate on the kid in A-ball in labor. So again, it's obviously what it means is that FAB becomes extremely important. Here's a good example, Mr. Soto in Washington. There are there aren't going to be Sotos coming up this year, <laughs> I don't believe. But should a big name take a big leap this year and end up active in the second second half, if you don't have the Fab, you're out of the game, and it's important to manage. I think it, it's at least for me, it's more important to, to be careful and manage my Fab a little bit more in labor than it is as compared to tote. Yeah, I think Tim, something that that I've caught on here throughout this conversation is I agree with with everything you're saying and you consider yourself aggressive. I, I, I think a lot of people, when they hear aggressive, they hear very large bids. And that's not what you're talking about. You're talking aggressive as in two to three weeks ahead of time, which is what I do as well, but I consider myself conservative when it comes to fab, but I think we're doing the same thing. Yeah. Hey, I'm always looking down the road and trying to find the, one of the pickups that I looked at in several of my leagues last week, and I'm going to be looking at a couple more this week is Jolie Rodriguez in Texas. Okay. Now that Matt Bush is on the IL, all I got is Ian Kennedy. Okay, they don't have much of a bullpen. Rodriguez had a good year last year. I think there's a good chance that Rodriguez could work his way into some saves. So if I've got the bench space, I'm adding him for a buck now, and I'll sit on him for two, three weeks uh, when he gets back off the IL. Then I'll hopefully have a guy who's going to be pitching at the back end. I know it's Texas, but they're going to still win some games. And I can pick him up for a buck right now, okay? Three weeks from now, if he's named the closer or interim closer, whatever, you ain't picking him up for a buck or two bucks. You're picking him up for 10, 15% of your fab. So that's, you're right. That's my definition of aggressive. It doesn't have to always be with the money. It's trying to think and plan ahead and anticipate what teams are going to do. And hey, you don't get it right all the time. But when you do get it right, it leaves you with a smile on your face. It's a good thing. 100%. And don't be afraid to be wrong. We're going to be wrong more oh. than we're, but when you're right, it more than makes up for it. That's uh, my philosophy. Yeah, de- definitely. Don't be afraid. Uh, don't be afraid to be wrong he, because you're the ones that you nail, you're doing well. It makes up for all of the ones that you don't. And then another type of league that, you know, Kevin, I'm going to talk to you about this one is the fab run for the NFBC cut lines in the coming up, I believe on Tuesday. So for those listening, you have a couple of days to look at that. But that's a totally different animal. There's only two fab runs throughout the course of the year. This is the first one in the first month of the season. And the second one's obviously sometime in the summer. I have to look up that date. Kevin, talk, you've played in a, a, a few cut lines. This The Raz Bowl is my first experience in the format personally. So help me out and anybody else listening. Because we've got an, a, a bunch of questions about this format in the uh, PL Discord as well. What strategy should I and anybody else be utilizing in spending your fab in this kind of a format 
as opposed to being able to run and use the same budget, in, but you have to spend it all <laughs> in twice instead of uh, 31 times. Yeah, this is where I flip flop completely from what Tim and I were just talking about, because when you're looking at only two fab periods and when they take place, uh, let's skip ahead to the second fab period. When that second fab period takes place, there's only four weeks remaining in the cut line regular season. And then if you make the playoffs, there's still no more fab going on. So I don't see a lot of value in saving a whole lot of money, but you have to save some, that's the caveat, for the final four weeks because the trade deadline hasn't happened yet. The Super 2 date hasn't happened yet. We're talking early June when that second fab period takes place. I'm taking all of that into consideration. Right now, Tuesday night, after those bids take place and we roster new players, there are 12 scoring periods, three times as many, before the end of the regular season. So that in and itself gets you to about 75%. Then you factor in that we won't have been to the trade deadline yet. We won't have been to the Super 2 date yet. And I bump it up a little more. I am very aggressive with the money in the first fab run for these cut line leagues. And it's with it being a, a best ball format, it's very important that you make a ton, like literally a dozen supplemental bids for each guy that you're dropping that is going to be, I, I, I hate to say it this way. I, I'm trying to figure out a good way to phrase this. But as far as what their production will be for your roster, they're worthless, right? You have to replace them 100%. They're not, part, they're, not, they're not part of the plan, right, Kevin? <laughs> right. You can't have zeros left on your roster after the fab takes place when you only have two of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 100% you have to replace them with someone. So you have to make enough supplemental bids to ensure that you are replacing every zero on your roster. That's probably the most important thing. And I'm aggressive about it when it comes to need for remember it's points we don't really have to worry about categories it's all about positional need and getting rid of every zero on the roster and i'm willing to spend 80 to 85 percent in the first fab period leaving enough because i have to do the same thing in the second fab period now i'm not going to be able to go after any like huge up-and-comer that surprises us in early june but i'm Got, I have to have enough to replace my zeros. So that, that's all I'm looking for. Re- replacing positions of need and getting the elite guys if I can, if there are any. Remember, we've been drafting those cut line leagues for over five months. CJ Crone's available in most in a lot of those leagues. There's a lot of players available in these leagues. and But most importantly, you have to get rid of everyone that is giving you a zero each week for the next 12 weeks you have to in a best ball format that makes sense to me yeah that's 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 great advice thanks kevin the second fab period is uh june 8th in most of these leagues uh with to your point the playoffs starting the 
July, I think it was July 15th. So about a, about a month later, like you said, four weeks later. So you don't have yeah, a lot the of time. break in there. They, yeah. they leads it right up to the all-star break. All right, cool. Hopefully everybody was taking notes on that one. Rewind and listen to Kevin. Give that great advice. I know I will. Before your Tuesday, before your Tuesday fab bits go in. All right, we'll get back into weekly fab. We've got some recommendations for this third fab period for everybody. As always, we go through our categories and list a couple of players who we think are going to be some hot pickups or at least ones that we recommend. They might not be hot, but they might be somebody that might be useful to your team, depending on your situation. So we start off in the power category. These guys who think that if you are in need of some home runs, so RBIs, power categories, these guys might be able to help you out. So I'm going to, I'm going to lead it off Kevin's aforementioned Travis Shaw. Kevin, tell me about why you think Travis Shaw might be a good pickup this week. He's been a guy I've shied away from in the past, but he continues to get plate appearances in the middle of lineups and he's off to a nice start first base, third base eligible at a minimum strong side of a platoon and probably increasing as we've talked about earlier. I really like Milwaukee's lineup in spite of a a couple of duds that they've put out in the first week and a half. And I've come around to Travis Shaw. And as we talked about earlier, obviously with uh, Orlando Garcia being shipped off to Atlanta and Colton Wong going on the IL, his playing time might be more than just a platoon moving forward. So I like that he has played the last four days straight. He's all had all only righties to start those games. Tim, do you have any opinion on Shaw in Milwaukee? Uh, so much is related to opportunity. And right now he's getting the opportunities. He's capitalizing on it. So it makes a lot of sense to me. There are not a, a huge number of power bats per se available. Most of them are rostered. Like I said, regular playing time. He's playing well. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense to get him rostered. And I'm sure the numbers in the great invitational are going to be a little bit higher as far as Travis Shaw and his roster ability after this Sunday. Yeah, he was picked up in eight uh, TGFBI leagues last week. His average winning bid was $14 with a max of 35 I can foresee that being going up a little bit this week for those who missed out on, on getting him a little bit early with the possibility of more playing time moving forward. So uh, the one I wanted to throw out there was uh, Ryan Zimmerman. He's been playing every day with Josh Bell being on the COVID IL with, personally, I haven't seen any reports on when he might return. A couple of guys from Washington have returned. Brad Hand, Patrick Corbin activated recently, but nothing on Josh Bell. You guys can correct me if you've seen anything that I haven't, but he's playing every day in Washington right now. He's batting cleanup for a pretty good lineup. He sat the second game of the doubleheader, but he did come into pinch hit over the weekend, uh, last weekend. He's hitting the ball really well in limited action with only half of his balls in play being line drives. Short, He's a short-term fix, but I think he's a seek, sneaky stream if you need a plug at first base or in your corner, if your league has corner as one of your positions or just a UT spot as well. I found it interesting that uh, last week in uh, the last fab, two fab periods combined, at least in TGFBI, there was only one first base eligible player picked up and zero first base eligible players dropped into free agency. Yeah, I can't tell this with like super amount of confidence, but it, I, I do believe that, that just means that first base is a lot deeper than I think it has been in a couple of years. That even with some injuries and some players being out, teams aren't, they're not going out and stretching, trying to find another first base eligible player to fill that gap. You has, either one of you guys have any interest in Zimmerman as, if nothing else, just a short-term fix in your corner spot? Again, rules dictate a lot, and 
I'm not cutting Josh Bell. So <laughs> there's only so much room at the end when you're, when you have no IL. And I think that definitely influences, I know it does myself, but probably quite a few of the other moves that are made in that format. You know, hey, you got to hold on to those players. Okay. That limits the number that you can actually pick up. And when closers, the ninth inning gig is changing hands every 15 minutes, where are you going to spend your money right now? And how can you spend it to make your team as effective as possible? So I, I think all that comes into play when there's no IL. Yeah, absolutely. And, and by no means am I advocating anybody drop Josh Bell. Only in the leagues that I play in, Adam. How's yeah. that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. If you're playing and you're in my league, feel free. And then he'll go for a nice little chunk of change next week in Fab. Have either one of you guys, anybody else on your list of power guys that you think uh, fits the bill this week in Fab? I, I think everybody should be all over Tyler Naquin. But he's power speed. Again, I think he's going to generate some huge bids, but... One of the one of them won't be from me, and the reason behind it is a combination of two things. One, the history. Yeah, he did, he's always struck out a ton. Okay, and when you look at the Reds, at some point in time, they're going to have Jesse Winker, they're going to have Nick Castellanos, Nick Senzel, Mister Naquin, and if I'm not mistaken, Shogo Akiyama, they're going to have five outfields. No, there's no DH for three slots. So at some point in time, if he cools off, I think he could eventually end up being what he's always been. And that's a bat off the bench. Hey, the hot start warrants it, but unless you're counting stats retroactive, I'm, I'm probably going to pass on Naquin. Yeah, I think this is a really good example of just bidding what makes sense for your roster and your needs and not just getting caught up with the hype. No matter how good you think Naquin is or isn't, if you think he's, if you agree with Tim and Tim, I, I agree with you. I don't see Naquin being able to keep this going, at least with the playing time for more than the next like week or two weeks. Winker is going to be out for the next, probably next couple of days with, as he you know injured his calf when he returned after being out for a couple of days with a stomach bug. Naquin's been in the leadoff spot to replace him during that time. Got knocked down to the sixth spot on Friday when Winker returned. He was right back into the leadoff spot today or Saturday as we're recording. I know he's a hot bat. I think he's going to get He's going to be one of the, he's going to be the, you know, the Yumi Mercedes of this week's fab bids, at least when it comes on the bat side, I think. Kevin, are you in on Naquin at all? No, but I hope you're right. I hope he's last week's Mercedes. I hope a lot of money spent on him and it won't be mine, as Tim said. <laughs> it, it, sometimes it's fun to be like a spectator. Exactly. It can be an exciting spectator sport. It really can. Let's see how high it goes. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's one less person I have to be concerned about uh, midseason, right? Exactly. Yeah, I'll probably put in a keeper honest bid type of thing or in those leagues that I need an outfielder, at least for the next week or two and see if he fits that bill. But to your point, I probably won't get him. That's great. All right. So we'll move on to the speed section, looking for some streaming, some stolen bases, maybe some runs from guys that are going to be at the top of the order. Kevin, you alluded to it at the the top of the show. Kyle Isbell is somebody we talked about last week. He's still just 53% rostered in NFBC 12 teamers, only 7% across Yahoo, which is majority of them are 12 teamers as well. He's, he got picked up in the majority of 15 teamers, of course. He's playing every day. As we talked about, he's entrenched in that right field spot in Kansas City. I think personally, I, so I listed Isbell as one of my stolen base streamers in my Need for Speed article that came out on Pitcher List today. And mostly it has less to do with Isbell's speed himself. 
but it has to do with more of his who he's playing. Last week, he played a couple teams that are really good at you know holding off stolen bases, and he's got let's see, Kansas. Who's I wrote this article. I should probably know this. He's Kansas City facing <laughs> off this week. Oh no, he's got they're playing the Angels, right? Hopefully, yes. And so Max Dassey and Kurt Suzuki were first and fourth in stolen bases allowed, respectively, last year with Suzuki, obviously with Washington. So I think he's got a good opportunity to, you know, steal a bag or two next week. And he's hitting the ball. He's not hitting the ball extremely hard, but he's not hitting it soft either, which is really nice. And but Kevin, you're the KC fan. I know you brought up Isabel last week. Is there anything else you see in Isabel worth talking about and picking up in Fab this week? I agree with you. The matchups this week the angels and then he's also got toronto the concerning thing and we've expected it probably is the strikeouts he's struck out a lot to begin the season when he's not striking out he's getting on base and to your point not a lot of stolen base opportunity with last week's matchups but this upcoming week guys that many teams are more apt to attempt to run on so I, I'm sticking with him. They have sat him against uh, a lefty a time or two. But for what he brings to the table, combination of power, which he is still developing, and that speed, I he's still on my radar. In leagues that he's still available, if you need stolen bases, he, he's somebody I'd take a shot on. Here's the thing about somebody about Kyle Isbell when it comes to fab. Last week was the weekend that he was going to cost a lot of money, if not the week before the season started. After the week he had this past week, if people weren't after him last week, they're not on him this week. So this week you can get him much less expensively than you may have had to spend money on last week. So this week, throw throw a, a much smaller bid out there and, and see if you can nab it. Yeah, that's a great point. In TGFBI, he was picked up in a bunch of leagues, 23 of the 29 leagues. He's 98% rostered across TGFBI now. So there's one league where he's still available, but his average winning bid was about $70. He only maxed out at 155. So I totally agree with you. I think you can get him for under that seven, under that average bid, even, right. in, a tw- even in a 12-teamer. I agree with both you guys. And I think that the Royals are committed to this kid and giving him every opportunity. So the leash will be long. Hey, it's a game of constant adjustments. And it's all about whether Isbell can make those adjustments. And I think the Royals will give him ample time to prove that. Hey, I'm all in just like you a couple bucks here let's see what the kid can do he's proven in the past he can hit for power he can swipe the odd base it's got my attention too kevin we're not in any leagues together he was my favorite player to watch at the 2019 arizona fall league when i met you Tim. okay okay i wonder why i wondered why i didn't see you when when he was at bat So, Kevin, who anybody else uh, come to mind, whether it be 15, 12 team or what have you in the stolen base run department? Unfortunately, we're not being a lot of help to to deep league players in this category. But another guy that is still available in a lot of 12 team leagues is Cedric Mullins. And it's not just the hot start he's off to, but he's leading off every single day. And we'll continue to do. And for reference, Jonathan VR had 714 plate appearances in 2019 for a Baltimore team that wasn't as good offensively as this one. So I'm all in on Cedric Mullins if he's available. Yeah. Stole another base tonight, Kevin. Yep. Yeah. He's going to play. 
And he's going to hit in the leadoff role as long as he keeps hitting. So, yeah, I think there's an opportunity there in the smaller formats. In the larger formats, I'm certain he's probably owned to the tune of about, or rostered to the tune of about 100%. But, yeah, I like Mullins. I do. Yeah, surprisingly, he is available in one league in TGFBI. So there's at least wow. one 15 teamer out not there. Not mine, unfortunately. Yeah, I checked earlier. Not <laughs> mine either. I'll get. I got a deep cut a little bit. Anderson Tejada just got called up by the Rangers to replace Brock Holt. He started third base in both games. That's yesterday or Friday and Saturday since getting the call. He stole a base today. He's not like extremely fast. He's not a speedy guy. He's shown that he can run on the basis when given the opportunity and the Rangers have proven intent throughout last year where they were fourth in the league in stolen bases, successful stolen bases, and they were second in spring training. And as we talked about last week, when teams show intent in spring training, that shows dedication to being able to do that in the regular season as well. It's already, it's already translated for the Rangers as well into the 2021 season. And the other great thing I have I, I about Tejada, the Rangers, is they have a full seven-game slate next week. So if he is going to slot in as the third baseman for the Rangers every day, that's gold. It, even if he doesn't play every day, there's a good shot. He plays four or five days, similar to a, t- uh, a player that's going to maybe has two off days that you're going to slot in there. This is a deep cut. I can't imagine that you won't be able to get him for less than, less than 10, we're talking single digits, though having him come in as a young player and steal a base right away, it's going to put him on some people's radars, especially in the stolen base department. I know I'll be putting a bid on him, at least a token one or two or $3 bids in a couple places. I'm a fan. He did pretty good for himself last year in his limited time in Texas. He did get a call a little bit early. Besides that, I, I think I'll get him in a couple places and I think I'll play him. I don't know that I'll play him after next week, but you know that's not what I'm, that's not what I'm bidding for. All right. And then, Tim, anybody on your radar in the speed department? I think we've covered on, uh, off on most of them. Short term, hey, uh, Roman, Roman Quinn's getting some at-bats in Philly. He might be able to steal a few bases if you're desperate. Who knows what's going to happen in Milwaukee with uh, D. Strange Gordon? Another guy that can steal some bases if he gets opportunities, but unless you're looking at 20-team leagues, so they probably shouldn't be on your radar right about now, would be my assessment. Yeah, Roman Quinn stole two bases in a game without even starting in the game. So he doesn't need to start to steal bases. <laughs> no, but again, there's a price to be Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. And then we have one, at least one guy to talk about in the opportunity department. This is usually guys that have good matchups coming up, lots of playing time. Like I said, pretty much you know everybody in Texas with seven games, maybe some p- positional flexibility. Kevin, you had somebody listed in this area. Why don't you tell everybody who it is? Yeah, we talked about it briefly last week, and there were concerns with playing time and the Akil Badu in Detroit. We all know the story. We all know the hot start. We also know the concerns. It's playing time, especially against lefties. But coming up this week, Detroit has a full seven-game slate. Five of them are projected to be against right-handed pitching. For NFBC players, it's evenly split, three out of four against righties the four-day period and two out of three, the three-day period, I would expect he starts in at least those five games. So he's still only owned in 32% of TGFBI leagues, the 15-teamers. He's owned more in Yahoo leagues than in TGFBI. So the Yahoo players buying into the hype a little more. I think the 15-team league managers are more concerned about that playing time, but 
this is a great week with five out of seven right-handed pitching starters that they're facing. Yeah, really yeah. similar with Tyler Naquin, who's 48% rostered across Yahoo and 0% rostered in TGFBI. <laughs> I think that has a lot to do with the fact that almost all Yahoo uh, leagues are daily moves leagues. And so they can jump on those hot streaks a lot quicker where NFBC and other weekly moves, you've got to wait till Sunday. Yeah, I totally agree. I was just going to, you beat me to the punch. I was just going to mention the fact that I think a lot of those Yahoo leagues are daily move leagues. So it allows you the opportunity to look at the lineup when it's posted and make your decisions. Most of the leagues I play in, as a matter of fact, all of the leagues I play in are weekly leagues with some having Friday moves. Lucky. So, yeah, his, <laughs> his, his his value is not quite the same for me. But, yeah, hey, you got to love the story. You got to like the fact that he's a Rule 5 kid. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, he's going to he's going to be on that roster. And man, to see him to see him happy and smiling and partaking. <laughs> it's cool. It really is. I'm happy. It's what we him. love about baseball. Yeah. Yes, and his parents and the reaction his parents had when he hit his first oh, homer that I'm like, that's just beautiful. Yeah, that's that's what that's what we like. You said, Kevin. That's why we love the game of baseball. Right, Tim. Anybody else? Kind of. We talked about Naquin already, but is there anybody else that stood out in this kind of in this category? No, they, in the deeper leagues, one catcher that always seems to sit on the waiver ever and ever. In two catcher sets in 15, 20 team leagues, Stephen Vogt in Arizona, he always hits a couple home runs. His batting average is usually acceptable. Yeah, hey, if you're struggling to find a catcher that's batting in excess of his weight, give Stephen Vogt a look. I wish I heard you say that before one of my DC drafts where I have four catchers and they're all either demoted or on the IL at the moment. That would be useful there. No, I can't do anything about it, <laughs> but it'd be nice. All right, we'll move to the we'll move to the rotation in the bullpen, the pitchers, and Kevin's got somebody who's been trying to push on us for a long time. I think in the in our wins and kegs, our categories, guys that might have two starts, might vulture a win. They at least have a solid single matchup. Who do you want to Who do you want to recommend? I'm not trying to push him, <laughs> <laughs> but I have been bringing him up. I was bringing him up earlier in the off season as someone to draft in the final round because I thought he was going to have his two start week this first full week of the season I believe his matchups would have been Pittsburgh and Arizona but he still has a couple of nice matchups next week Wade Miley yeah I know we all hate his name he <laughs> lost a lot of leagues for people in 2019 in the month of September with that four or five game stretch where he was horrible after being great for five months of the season so I understand just people cringe when they hear his name even people that didn't have him rostered at that time know what happened to teams that did and they cringe <laughs> but when healthy other than that month he's been great for four or five years and he has matchups this coming week at san francisco and home against cleveland who is not hitting well against anybody especially lefties and so I'm rolling Wade Miley out there for two starts this week. So just the fact that he has two starts and he has these matchups, how much are you willing to spend on Fab and versus how much do you think he's actually going to go for? I don't have to. I dropped him in the well, last <laughs> round of every draft. <laughs> That's one we We've just been talking about problem. this for months, Adam. That's true. That's true. <laughs> if people were listening, then this conversation's <laughs> over. <laughs> this makes me no, feel a couple like bucks better. Is all it's only going to take a couple bucks out of a thousand. You're a minimum bid or a dollar or two over it. I'll get them for you. 
Yeah, no, it makes me feel so much better because I'm always accused of not listening to my co-hosts. It's just like I'm right at home here, guys. <laughs> well done. <laughs> Tim, any other two-star pitchers coming up this week that you've got your eye on? I haven't really looked at the two-star pitchers. That's for some time after midnight tonight, but <laughs> there are a couple names. Steven Matz got off to a pretty pretty good start with the Jays. He's somebody that I'm looking at in deeper leagues. There's a kid in Atlanta that really has my curiosity hooked, and that's Huascar Aino, yeah. spelled Y-N-O-A, 22-year-old kid. He's looked really good, so he's the sort of guy that I could see myself spending – Ah, a couple bucks on and sitting him on my bench and seeing what happened. Yeah, it, I found it absolutely shocking that Johnny Suedo with the Giants in CBS leagues, he's only rostered at 29%. So, you know, there's three names that I'm looking at moving forward that I think could present some opportunities. Nice. Those are good names to keep on your keep on your watch list. Consider throwing in some some bids if your roster would allow it going into next week. So we got a couple of current relievers to talk about regarding, and these aren't closers. These aren't even closers to be. Most of these guys are actually maybe starters to be. And Kevin, I'm going to let you start start it off. Tell everybody a little bit more about TJ Antone, who was drafted in a good chunk of leagues and possibly is on your wires to consider for Fab this week. Yeah, he's still rostered in most 15-team leagues, I think, but he's he's available in over 80% of Yahoo leagues. And the thing about Antone that I really like is he, he got that two innings uh, yesterday, I believe following Tyler Male, and they do want him to be in the starting rotation after a couple of being nothing serious, but banged up injury things going on during spring training. So they're trying to stretch him out while getting production out of him. So we should see a few more of these multi-inning relief appearances where he could snag a win, where he could grab a couple holds for people in holds leagues, but give us really good ratios and some strikeouts in these multi-inning relief appearances, which is uh, what we're looking for right here. Oh, yeah, and you toss in the fact that the Reds do have a rather potent offense. Uh, They can put some runs on the board. Being down 5-1, 6-1 in the first inning and looking at Anton for three innings after that, uh, hey, you can't rule out that he'll leave with the lead, can you? Not as long as Cincinnati scoring runs. So, yeah, it's a little bit different uh, when you start looking at an Anton versus, say, somebody on Pittsburgh that might score five runs (laughs) in a week. (laughs) Except today. Yeah, except today, yes. <laughs> yes, there's a lot of Davies fans out there today that are not going to be happy when they see the Bucks score tomorrow. Uh, a similar guy, Chris Rodriguez down with the Angels. Very similar to TJ in the fact that they're, the Angels obviously are committed to keeping him stretched out or stretching him out throughout the course of the season. Obviously came up as a starter and he still could be a rotation option for them in 2022 I believe he's gone. He hasn't gone more than three days in between appearances, which is really nice. You can set your clock at least in the early goings in the season, but how many times you might see him in a given week. And each time he goes out, he's averaged over two innings with just under three Ks per appearance as well. So I think that grab a guy like Chris Rodriguez or TJ Antone, you can Frankenstein yourself a, an actual starters production without having to pay starter prices. And especially in a 15 teamer, the options for starters 
aren't exactly pretty. And to Tim, to Tim's point, later in the year, it's, gonna, it's just going to get you know uglier and uglier when it comes to what you have available on the free agency. And there are a couple of guys out there. So these are guys that I, I told somebody else in the PL Discord. These are guys that you can stream at a cheap prices for the most part. They're not closers. They're not closers to be. These are there's a couple of guys out there that are just like TJ and Rodriguez that you can stream in and out at cheap prices and not waste your fab. The other guy. And then when they are put into the rotation, you struck gold. Yeah, when they these are guys that are going to be spot starters here and there, or in an injury, maybe they get a string of starts over the course of a month. And exactly, if you were streaming at the right time, then you hold on to them. Obviously, another guy that kind of fits that bill for me is Ryan Weathers in San Diego. Uh, I drafted him in a couple places just because I knew he was fighting for that fifth fifth rotation spot with the Padres. He obviously didn't get it, but he did get. An invitation to the starting to the opening day roster in the bullpen. This is also my opportunity just to pat myself on the back for accident, being forced <laughs> to put Ryan Weathers in my rotation the week he got his three innings save. So that felt really good. I got him at least in two. I got that save in like two weeks uh, in two leagues, and that felt really accidentally good. I Without do the five earned runs that Randy Dobnak got for his three yeah, inning save exactly and. Chris Paddock's not off to a real great start in San Diego, so you never know what can trans, you know, potentially trans- transpire on the coast. Yeah, absolutely. I'll probably put in a couple where I need, where I can hold him on a couple of dollar, two dollar bids because I think you can put him on your roster for the at minimum. And he's in the same boat though as the other guys we talked about. He can come in as a spot starter if they want to give Paddock a break, if they want to continue to go six-man rotation or start actually start going six-man rotation. Though Lamette is supposedly coming into the rotation as early as next week, that might be less of an option. He's still going to produce. He's not wasting a roster spot. That's why I like about these guys too. Is like these are nice little stashes that could end up paying off like Kevin, like you said, but they're still going to be able to give you production if you are forced to put them into your rotation due to injuries, especially in the NFPC where you don't have IL spots. So these are, I'll probably have Chris Rodriguez and Ryan Weathers as conditional bids to each other at minimum one, two, three, four dollars, just as a, in, in lieu of maybe doing a streamer pick starter. Anybody else uh, stand out to either one of you guys in this area? Not right now, uh, but <laughs> I'm sure as the season progresses, there there are going to be. Yeah, you, you got to look at the Rays. Hey, depending on what happens with their newest call-up, there's a name to possibly target, right? Absolutely. depends on, yeah, I'll be curious to see who ends up following Honeywell. I'm not sure if that was announced. I haven't seen anything about it, but whether it's just Colin McHugh coming in or if it's somebody else out of that bullpen going multiple innings after Honeywell opens the game. Yeah, I yeah, was a, Reed I got was, in the game today, and that's a guy that we forgot about, we haven't talked about in probably a year or two. Shane McClenahan's another pitcher that interests me in the Rays organization. Keep your eyes, keep your eyes on him. He's, he's got a good arm, and it's only a matter of time before we see him this year. All right, we'll get to the meat of the bullpens, some safe opportunities to be had still. And I feel like we're going to talk about this every week, all season long. A couple guys, a couple interesting guys that were dropped in many leagues, especially through TGFBI last week, who probably get picked right back up <laughs> this week. Nick Wickren was dropped by a bunch of te- a bunch of league in a bunch of leagues. Chris Martin of the Braves was uh, dropped as well. And a guy I know you wanted to talk about, Archie Bradley dropped in a bunch of places as well. Kevin, what do you see out of any of those guys? It's the same thing we're seeing with a lot of teams. We still have no idea. And when we think we do, we're wrong. And so these guys that were 
fairly highly drafted mid range, not even bottom tier as, as as closers during draft season, but more in that middle range that things didn't look good the last week or two of spring training and maybe to open the season. And all of a sudden things are rocky with the teams. I was I was shocked to see that Archie Bradley was available in 24% of TGFBI leagues. I know he doesn't have the role, but are we really that confident in Hector Neris and Alvarado right now? So these guys we've talked about, Yimmy Garcia, you just brought up Whitgren. Whitgren, I, I still think the way Cleveland has been using their bullpen from what I've seen and looking at the situations of what's going on in the game, we've seen a couple of guys get saves, but I believe Whitgren is the quote unquote closer for the Cleveland Indians right now. So it's amazing to me. Some of the guys that are available, it's also pump the brakes on any of these guys. And I'm still not spending a lot of money. Tim mentioned early, earlier spending a few dollars here or there looking a couple weeks ahead because as i said we still have no idea with a lot of these teams yeah i i agree cleveland two weeks from now we could be talking about emmanuel class and his 100 mile an hour fastball as a closer we yeah. don't we just don't know but this week obviously amy garcia is going to generate a ton of interest when you start looking at the dodgers i'm sure Corey nabel is going to generate a fair bit of interest but here's a guy that i mentioned jolie rodriguez but here's a guy that i'm going to be targeting this week who's basically owned nowhere in no leagues and it's somebody that i think should have everybody's attention and that's kendall graveman in seattle Rafael Montero is off to a horrible start. He really is. And I wasn't that bullish on Rafael Montero right out of the gate, heading into spring training. And Graveman's off to a great start. Uh, two appearances, five strikeouts, hasn't allowed a run. But Montero can, continues to struggle. Buying in on Graveman this week could be a very well-spent dollar, guys. At least that's, those, that's my thoughts there. The great thing about Graveman is he did not get the save tonight. He got the win and Middleton came in and got the save. Yes. But if Graveman is the guy, you just because of that, Middleton will probably get more money bid on him <laughs> tomorrow evening, depending on what happens tomorrow. So yeah. the great thing about Graveman is it was a win and not a save. I agree. That saved, it might've saved us a few bucks, I think uh, <laughs> tomorrow. Exactly. Yeah, going back to Cleveland, I, I said it in my notes today that if we're to believe Terry Francona was when he said that Whitgren, Karen Jack, and Class are gonna are gonna be equally used, it's just gonna rotate. I thought they just I honestly I thought he just meant by innings, but obviously the early returns is it's by by when they're gonna be used as well. So Class looked Amazing. I'm a big Wickern supporter. I've got him a bunch. I did not. I was not one of the teams that dropped him last week. I mean, it's worth speculating, picking him back up, but I'm not spending a lot of money on any of those guys that have such a share. Another thing to note with regards to Amy Garcia, 
Craig Mish, obviously a reporter for the uh, on the Marlins, uh, reported that Mattingly stated that Richard Bleer would also close out games based on matchups. So somebody to speculate on. I'm not sure how much he will actually play into the role, but he's gonna. I mean, he's gonna vulture a couple saves from Garcia if Garcia actually has the job as everybody assumes he does. I think one thing that everybody agrees with is that Bass does not have the job. <laughs> yes, they have put Bass out to sea. Well done, Tim. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I had to get one pun in or it wouldn't, it wouldn't be right. Uh, Adam. Yeah. We usually have a wild card section. We already touched on him. Zach McKinstry was the guy I was going to rec- just recommend taking a look at. He's UT only in NFBC right now, but he's going to very soon get outfield eligibility. He, he's been cold the last couple of days, but he started off really hot. He's, he's a really good hitter, as Kevin pointed out. Adam Lawler, who we had on the show at the beginning of the offseason, loves him. <laughs> and, and if Adam loves him, then uh, he's somebody definitely you want to keep an eye out. Any any other wild cards across that we have any players that we haven't talked about worth looking at, Tim? I think the key is just taking a look. If somebody in Boston with JD Martinez hitting the IL, somebody in Boston's gonna pick up some extra time. But just scanning your rosters, finding players where there is an opportunity. But I like McKinstry and again, I, I can see him moving into a role along the same lines as uh, Tiki Hernandez. And yeah, you know, hey. The Dodgers keep finding them. They're a strong <laughs> organization. They do a great job of scouting. So uh, I like that call, guys. I like it a lot. All right, nice. And then uh, we typically talk about some guys you want to look ahead a little bit, uh, whether it be two starters uh, in a couple of weeks or maybe some prospects in leagues that allow you to pick them up. One name I will throw out there is just the fact that Time Manipula- Manipulation Day is coming on April 16th, the day that you know, allows if you keep a prospect down when your miners are at the alternate site after that, until after that date, they get an extra year of control. A lot of expectations that there's a lot of players that are going to come up, especially in Seattle. So Logan Gilbert, somebody I'm keeping an eye on. I might throw a dollar bid in leagues at Kyle right now, and I, he's burning a spot in my roster. So where I have Kyle, I might be throwing a dollar or two bid on Logan Gilbert. I'd rather Logan Gilbert burn a spot in my roster at this point than Kyle. And especially with James Paxson being out with expected Tommy John, which is just the saddest thing ever. I mean, you might be able to get Gilbert now, but if to Tim to Tim's point earlier, once Gilbert does get the call, he's gonna he's gonna be the high priced guy that week. Just Kalanick was drafted everywhere. He's expected to come up after that date as well. So is anybody else worth looking at both in this prospect area or in a guy you might think gets two starts the week of April 19th through the 26th that you can get cheap now and hold on to for a week and then use them when when they actually are useful? Tim, anybody come to mind? Well, there's a couple pitchers if you want to you want to do some speculating. Mackenzie Gore. Yeah, we are going to see him at some point in time this year when I I don't I don't have a I don't have a clue, <laughs> but at some point in time we will see Mackenzie Gore. There's no doubt about that. Shane McClanahan, if you want to, you you want somebody that you can stash. I, I like the kid a lot, but hey, the guy that everybody's waiting for is Jared Kelnick, and I'm sure we're going to see him. Oh, probably seven to ten days from now. That sounds about right. <laughs> and if my guess is correct, he's probably rostered to the tune of about a hundred and. Two percent, something like that. Somehow, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Somebody's yeah, got him rostered twice. <laughs> yes, exactly. He's he's not going to be he's not going to be available when he does get the call because he's already rostered. Yeah, same with Alex Kirilov and a couple yeah. of the other big names that uh, have been drafted. I, uh, I've seen Kirilov dropped in a couple leagues, and yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, if I was, uh, if I was playing in those leagues, odds are pretty good. He has my attention for this <laughs> week's fab run. Especially with the twins, just apparently their entire outfield can't stay on the field. And Brent Rooker comes up and he goes right onto the IL like the next day. And Jake Cave is not a full-time. He's, he's a nice little player, but he's a fourth outfielder. They don't want to be wheeling Jake Cave out every day. So I think he's going to be following the Jared Kelnick career path a week to 10 days. And he's got himself a job, an opportunity. I just want to make sure you guys realize that service time manipulation is a violation of the CBA, and teams do not do that. <laughs> no, I never I insinuate they do, Kevin. With a straight face. I yeah. almost made it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You did. I'm staring at this video. I'm like, wait, Kevin's here. <laughs> there can't be manipulation because they fired the president of the team in Seattle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He made those decisions. Yep. Yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yes. He's no longer part of the organization because of it. Exactly. <laughs> Nice. Uh, Kevin, any pitchers out there that you might be specking on this week in Fab, hoping that they get two starts the, the next week? It's a guy we talked about earlier is a guy I'm looking at. Michael Fulmer, if they can stretch him out a bit. We've talked about picking on Pittsburgh, and he would be lined up to face the Pirates at home in Detroit. Nice pitcher's park and possibly get a second start that week as much as it hurts me to say it. And as much as I do like the Royals' offense and think it is improved, they are known to throw up some duds for a day, especially on Sundays when they have a, a couple of bench bats in the lineup, as teams typically do on Sundays, which would be his second start that week if he does get one. It's nice. I have a Brett Anderson still on <laughs> on my roster that I need yeah. to drop this week anyway, so I'm going to find somebody to drop drop him for. So. That's a, that's good to know. I'll keep that on my notes. All right. Either one of you guys, is there any players that we haven't talked about that uh, you think our listeners should know about should at least be keeping an eye out, even if it's just a dollar bid? Tim, last call on recommendations. I, I really, Jaron Duran in Boston, it might be a little bit early, but in redraft leagues, 15 team lead redraft leagues, he's a guy that I'd like to have around because I think once he gets called up, I think, I think that's the center fielder of the future in Boston. So Again, I, I have no inkling as to when they're going to call him up, when they're going to deem him to be ready. But when they do, you're going to want the kid on your roster. So if you have the space right now, it might be worth a buck. Sit on it, see what happens. Kevin, anybody else come to mind? Yeah, a guy that was drafted in most 15-team leagues but has been dropped, Edwin Rios. With everything going on with the Dodgers <laughs> and the way they move guys around, at, at some point, I hope, I, maybe it's more hope than think, but the, he's going to get close to an everyday opportunity. And if he does, you're going to want to already have him on your roster and not have to spend what it will take to get him in fab at that time. I like that call, Kevin. Yeah, that's nice. I really wanted to recommend uh, Carter Keboom again, but the kid gee, just can't catch a break. He actually makes the opening day roster because of all the COVID and he still can't crack the uh, cracked the lineup itself. So I, I won't be bidding on him again. I, I know I dropped him early on in the season, but I really wanted to be able to recommend him. I just can't do it. <laughs> I hear you there. I had him in several dynasty leagues and we, we actually had a roster crunch, crunch him one and we cut him. There we go. Yeah. It was that time. Yeah. It's more it than hurts when it happens. Yeah, it's oh, more yes, than roster fatigue at this point. 
All right, guys, if there is a player that you guys are listeners are thinking about bidding on and you want us to discuss them, let us know. You can email us at onthewirepod at gmail.com. You can shoot us a DM over Twitter at onthewirepod or join the PL Plus over at pitcherlist.com where you can get access to the Pitcherlist Discord and the advice and banter of over 800 members, including all the incredibly smart staff just waiting to help you win your league. Tim, I want to thank you once again uh, for joining us for this episode. It's been an honor. It's been great to meet you for the first time. And then in general, just could you let every, remind everybody listening where they can listen to you, read your work, and uh, anything you might be working on that they should be on the lookout for? First off, the honor is all mine, guys. I want to thank you very much for having me on this evening. It's always a pleasure talking up the game with you. And again, my my heartfelt thanks. Yeah, you can find me at Prospect 361 every Sunday night with Rich Wilson, every Friday with Rich Wilson. In between, we've just created a new closer chart that we're rather proud of. We're going to try and keep track of three three deep in bullpens and updating it continually. That'll give me something to do when I'm not sleeping based on what's occurred <laughs> the first week or so of the season. And I every week I do my weekly waiver wire. Again, it's a busy time. And I want to thank you for having me on and wish all of your listeners a great 2021 season. Thanks again, guys. Yeah, thanks again, Tim. All right, well, that's going to do it for this week's On The Wire. Please make sure to subscribe uh, to the podcast wherever you listen and leaving a rating review is always appreciated. You can follow myself on the Twitter at 80 grade. It's all spelled out. And you can follow Kevin at Hasting Kevin. Keep an eye out for Kevin's weekly fab preview article every Sunday, as well as my fab review article titled Waiver Watcher every Tuesday. Both can be found over at PitcherList.com and by following at PitcherList on the Twitter. As we mentioned at the top of the show, we are proud members of the PitcherList Podcast Network, along with 20 other incredible podcasts. Make sure to follow at PitcherList Pods to get updated about every new episode that drops from each of them and give them all a listen. We wish you the best of luck in all of your leagues and hope you win all of your bids by exactly $1. Thanks once again to Tim McLeod for joining us. And for Kevin Hastings, I am Adam Howe, and with that, we bid you goodbye.